have a seat. Thank you. Um, I did not approve that. <laughs> Certainly, I would not approve those silly pictures. <laughs> um, listen, let me, uh, kind of catches you off guard sometimes, but um, from my heart, and I, I know I can speak for my wife, we love you guys, and God brought us here in November, will be seven years, it's hard to believe that time goes that quickly, you know, and um, been through a lot together, you know, I was just talking with my friend, Pastor Alfonso Crosby, just a few minutes ago, and you know, just uh, this, the steadiness of, of the, the Lord, like he never, he never falls off, he's just never not there, and no matter what comes, pandemics and, you know, violent crimes and chaos in the world, God always remains the same. Uh, he, he is what we are after, he himself, not the things that he can do for us, right? Sometimes they show up to God like, God, can you get me out of this trouble? No, he is what you need. Not the things he can do for you. He himself is the answer. So thank you for journeying with us. And while, we're, while I'm talking about it, I might as well say it. Um, we got a few chairs this morning, but some of, some of we've asked some of you, and some of you have switched over to 9 o'clock to make space. This is a problem. It is a good problem, right? The church is growing quickly. Uh, people are meeting Jesus. Lives are, are being changed, literally transformed. Eternity is gaining people and it's an exciting time, but hang with us because it, it, it gets tense sometimes. Not everybody wants to sit next to somebody when they come in. I understand that. Pastors love the room full. People just don't. <laughs> That's just the way it is. I love it when, every, when there's no chairs. I'm super excited, and you guys are like, there's no chairs, uh, and that's good. And when you leave here, there's traffic. It's okay. It's okay, right? You're going to be okay. It's a small price to pay to be part of a community of people who really love Jesus and are committed to serving him and honoring him. Thank you for journeying with us. Let's get there first. Peter, if you, if you know in your Bible, if you're learning, if you brought your Bibles, I hope you did. Uh, if not, get one for yourself. As we journey through this together, we are in week four. We're going to be in chapter three. If you don't know where it is, it's towards the back part of your Bible. Hebrews, James, first and second Peter, first and second, third John, Jude, and Revelation. You can work back there. You can see it's towards the end. And what we've seen over the past few weeks is that, that Peter has introduced us to this, these things of, of information, of what God says about you, who you are, you're sanctified, you're consecrated, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, but that's the information, and then the application is that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have the information of who you are in Christ, now here's what you are to do with it. doesn't matter what the world does. What the world does should not affect what I'm doing, right? So if they persecute you, you're going to be okay. Yeah, but what if they kill me? You're still going to be okay. You're going to be better off if we get to heaven, right? Um, but I know nobody is signing up for that, but we still have a standard that we are to live by. And we, we said a couple weeks ago, you don't need a boss. Some of you are a boss, right? Some of you want to be the boss. We don't need a boss. We need an overseer of our soul. The Lord does that. And so Peter is challenging us to new behaviors. How many of you know Jesus? Not know about Jesus. Raise your hand if you know Jesus, right? If you know the Lord. If you don't, you can know him. In fact, this is really a cry of Paul's heart a lot of times as he's writing. It's like, we just want to know him. What about the fellowship of his suffering, right? These are, these are deep things to pray for, but I just want to know him. And how I knew him yesterday is good, but I want to know him more today. 
right? And next week, I want to know him more. And the the week after that, I want to know him more. And the the good thing about God is there's always more of him to know and to have, and he wants to reveal himself to you. And so we are challenged at that knowledge of him to new behavior. And that looks sometimes individually, how your individual behavior changes. It changes as how we interact with society and the way we do things and dealing with false accusations and slander. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. And to the world at large, what's happening. But today we want to jump in here in chapter 3 and we want to talk about new behavior in the family and what that looks like. So in chapter 3, as we jump in here, he talks right away about wives and husbands. So I want to just disarm everything right now. Ladies, just chill out. Just chill out, right? And guys, don't get too excited. We're like, tell them to submit. And you know, just calm down. You've got a higher calling, a tougher calling to get right then wives submit. So we'll get there in just a second, but let's jump in. Nevertheless, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Husbands. Not subject to your boyfriends. Subject to your husbands. All right? I'll just let that stand right there. That's enough. So that even if some do not obey the word... They may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Don't raise your hand, ladies, but how many of you have got respectful and pure conduct? How many of you have got a good attitude, right? And I don't wanna, I'm not picking on anybody, but I want to get to the root of some things. When we talk about this word submissive or subject, right, we're talking about being under authority, not necessarily under the thumb or under the control or in the submission of your husband, but to God. The natural authority of the house is the man is the head of the household. Now, we're going to get to him in just a second, so don't worry too much about that. This isn't just a, a show of like, let me bang my head and do that. I have a call to love my wife and to serve my wife as Christ loved and served the church, but this command is for this submission. And here's why. I have witnessed, and some of you could testify to this, over the years in church. I've been in church a long time, like my whole life. But what I've seen many, many times is women, some women faithfully attending the church without their husbands for years, sometimes scores of years, faithfully attending, faithfully giving, faithfully serving, just did a good attitude, go home, I'm going to serve the church, and I'm going to go home and serve my husband, even though he's this, 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 this. She's not going to say that. She's going to honor him, but we all know she does that faithfully through the years, and he never wants anything to do with the church until he wants something to do with the church. And he's watched his wife commit to the church, and he's watched the church hopefully be faithful over the years. And so when crisis hits, and crisis, if we live long enough, hits, then he's going to call on the church. And then there's the church's opportunity to respond. But even before then, we have an opportunity. Ladies, you have an, if, you're, if you're here by yourself today, your husband is at home, I want to applaud you. I want to I encourage you to stay, to stick, to keep going, and to serve them at home. You're like, yeah, but you don't know what he's like. You're right, I don't. But I know what God is like. Right, And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were spitting in his face, while we were doing the very thing that we know we're not supposed to be doing, he's serving us on the cross, right? So that is the model of behavior. So if you do this, what he says here, uh, when they see you respectful and pure conduct, right, it, it will win some of them. It will win some of them. That is powerful. Paul said in Scripture, I become all things to all people so that I might win some. You can't win them all, 
But you can win some with your behavior, with your consistency, with your stability and how you operate and how you, your husband might treat you like the worst. He might, he might cuss you out and you just keep, you keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Now, if we will serve each other like we're supposed to, you will win some. And even if they're unbelievers, now, if they ever ask you to sin, that's not okay. You don't have to do that, right? You don't have to live in that kind of submission. But what we're talking about is the, the power of the purity, of the life that God has called godly women to. And even that will, will sometimes wreck the hardest heart of man. Literally, the hardest, so hard. Like nothing, I mean, this is the hardest that you can imagine. And this, this pure godly woman will soften that heart. That's powerful. Ladies, if you, are, if you are doing it, I just, again, I encourage you. I strengthen you. We don't do it for the sake of him. We do it for the sake of the gospel. Titus 2 says, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanders and addicted to too much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure and to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. This is powerful. Older ladies in the faith, you need to teach the younger ones. Younger ones, you need to listen to the older ladies in faith. They're not perfect. And if they're just teaching you their own stuff, you can put that aside. But if they'll teach you the word of God, it will be good for you. And let it change you. And you will become the, the wives that you're supposed to be. And if, you don't, if you're not a wife yet, then it, it will help in beginning the preparation process so that you can be one day the wife that you're supposed to be. In the meantime, you'll be the daughter of God that you're supposed to be. This is what's supposed to happen. Verse 3, let's keep going. Do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry and the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Now let's talk about adorning. He's not necessarily saying don't wear this type of clothes, but let's, let's stop there for a second. Somehow along the line, I don't know where, but wearing underwear to the mall became acceptable. Yes or no? You can call them sports bras, but they're still sports bra. There's whole lines of athletic wear, athleisure wear, that it, it's like, I mean, you used to wear it to the gym, and all of a sudden you're wearing it to the bank. Next thing you know, you're wearing it to work, and it's just everywhere, and it's like, what's going on? Listen, ladies, be careful with what you wear. If that's what you want people to see, trust me, they're seeing it. It's all out there. Let's be honest. It's all out there. Be careful with what you wear. Be careful. It's okay to, to cover up and like, oh, I just, like, just let me take a picture. Feeling cute today, you know. We're well, feeling naked today. That's what it is. Put some clothes on. Put some clothes on. I actually wasn't expecting that response. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting all the grumpy faces and sour faces and, uh, you know, be careful with this. And so what I'm saying here is that in, in God's sight, it's precious. It's not that the fact that you didn't wear, I'm not going to pick on any brands, um, 
it's not that you didn't wear that. It's that you let your adorning be internal. That there's a preciousness of your spirit that God sees and says, I like that. He doesn't, he doesn't care like if, if you didn't shop at this place. I think he cares, but just, I mean, what he cares about is if your spirit's right. If your spirit's right and your heart is right, all of that stuff will work itself out. Now, again, if you, want, if you want people to see those things about you, that's what they will see. But in God's sight, it's this, this inside beauty, this, this gentleness, this spirit is so precious. And that, that has great worth to God. That's something God like, God, I'll use that. I'm going to use that, that kind of internal integrity. It's a, it's a source of genuine beauty. It's a source of genuine beauty. Verse 5 says, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. Now here, this is going to really mess with some of the ladies. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. <laughs> some of you tried to pull this off at home. I tried this for about 10 minutes. Did not work. <laughs> it will not work. Halfway joking, only halfway. Um, but as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Now, what he, does, what he does is he goes to the Old Testament and he finds these holy women. A woman of Sarah. Was Sarah perfect? No, she wasn't perfect. Was Abraham perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. At times they were knuckleheads, right? This is Abraham moving in. He lied one time, a couple times and said, this is my, my sister. My sister. No, it's not. That's your wife. Right, But he was afraid of things, and, and she was uh, probably afraid to believe at times when they said, you're going to have a child, and she laughed. <laughs> she laughed. You, can't, you know how old I am? No, so she wasn't perfect, but she was a great example of a holy woman who submitted to her husband, right, and became a, a great s specific example of how to do this life. And Sarah ultimately put her hope in God, and Abraham ultimately put his Hope and fear in God. And that's what's supposed to happen. So ladies, do what you're supposed to do. Adorn yourselves internally beautiful. Read the word of God. Get it inside of you. Keep your clothes on. Quit giving yourself away if you're not married. You're a rose. You have these petals. Quit giving, giving yourself away. I, don't, I, don't, I, I hate to see that. It's not how it's supposed to be. If you need help with that, if you need to get married, we can sit down and we can counsel you and we can get you married, right? I just did it Saturday, stood right there, or Friday, right in front of the cross and married a couple. And they, they really did it God's way. And I, and I was proud of them for that. Now we look at this, this husband duty here. So likewise, verse 7, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Some are like, I don't understand women for anything. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you ever seen a book of understanding men is like this thick? The book of understanding women is like this thick? <laughs> we joke about that. Or something like, understanding what? How do we understand this thing? But he said, live with your wives in an understanding way. Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. There's some real challenging phrasing in here. Let me talk about the weaker vessel real second. Just for a second. Here's the thing. He's like, the women are like, well, I'm not weaker. I am woman, hear me roar. Like, we are fierce, right? This is, this is always like, you go, you go to a women's conference, it's always like, you are brave. You are fearless. You can do it. You go to a men's conference, it's like, you're a dog. 
<laughs> you need to get your life right. <laughs> you know, this is a type of encouragement. That's the way it is. It seems like this all the time. But what he says is here, live with your wife in an honor stand, showing honor to the weaker vessel. Now, just as I often do in weddings and marriages, I'll stop and I look at the, the rings. I wear a, a silicone ring. You know why? Because I destroy the other ones. I like to work with my hands. I like to grapple. And I, I had a platinum ring when we got married. I still have it. It's in a box at home. But I got it fixed after one time I had bent it grappling and literally wore it. And the next time I bent it right again, had to have it cut off. So I said, you know, what? I'm going to get a silicone ring. doesn't mean that I'm any less married or that I love my wife any less. It's just that I, 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 I work with my hands more than she does. I'm, I'm stronger physically than she is. And I think she's okay with me saying this many times, not all the time, but many times I'm emotionally stronger than her. And I should be leading her spiritually. Listen, God gave you shoulders as men. Those, those shoulders are to carry some things. They are to carry some things. So when you go home, you don't, you don't get to go, uh, I had a rough day at work, so everybody at home is going to get the fire. Be a man. Absorb the tension with the shoulders that God has given you. You're going to be okay. You're not going to die. It might have been a rough day at work, but if, if, if your buddies are getting the best of you, your best attitude on, on Friday nights, and your family's getting the worst of you on Thursday nights because you had a bad day, shame on you. Be a man. Be a man. Carry that. I think this is what he's talking about is the weaker vessel. And there should be some of like, well, I got to carry my load. And you don't know how hard my load is. And you don't know how hard it is at work. And they might not know. You don't need to talk about it all the time. Right? Carry some of it. Right? And then guess what? You get to carry your kids' stuff too, and you get to carry some of your wife's. That's why God made you, Sean. That's why he made you a man. So quit complaining about it and start carrying it. That word there, like uh, understanding and, and showing honor, the weaver, it's really considerate. Be considerate of her needs, right? Now, he goes on in the back half of this verse. He says, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, men, but I know you have prayers. And you say, how many of you want your prayers to be answered? Of course, that's why we're praying, right? Well, if you don't want those hindered, this is what you should be doing. So you, you, want you, you want your prayers to go there, but you treat your wife like garbage? That's a, that's a block for your prayers right there. It's like, why do you want me to answer your prayers about this and you can't even do this simple thing? I can't even pick up my wife spiritually and carry her to Jesus, but I want Jesus to fix all my stuff. I don't want my prayers to be hindered, and so I'm going to help her. And by the way, that is, this is your responsibility, and we're going to see this because Paul elaborates in Ephesians chapter 5 pretty clear, right? We only know that we ought to leave that first part where it says you should mutually submit to each other. Most everybody forgets to add that part. They just jump to the next verse. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. And the whole world goes, oh, I don't want to submit to my husband, da-da-da-da-da, you know, women's lib, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And if you, if you read that, it's challenging for the world. But if you read it backwards in that passage, when it starts to say things like, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, whoa, like that's a big role. You know why? Because I'm not Jesus. I'm not divine. Jesus loves perfectly. He loves you perfectly. I want to love my wife perfectly, but I don't do that. 
Sometimes I let pressure get up on me and I let my attitude get the best of me and I apologize to her for that and I think I'm getting better. I believe that. Am I getting better? I think, okay, I got to nod. <laughs> really got to ask sometimes because we don't understand. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're trying. But he elaborates on the husband's responsibility to protect and care for his wife. And it's, t- it's tense sometimes. It's tense because you come home and you're like, I've been at work for 10 hours today and I had to fight traffic and it was terrible and it was hard. And she's like, well, I've been with the kids all day. And so I'm out of here. You watch the kids. You're like, I'm not watching the kids. I'm going over to my buddy's house. And you don't even know how to navigate that. It's just challenging. But if somebody will own the moment, I'm really talking to the husbands here as the priest of the household. If you will grab the moment for the Lord, you say, hey, we're not letting all of this disunity happen. What we're going to do is we're going to gather the troops. That's your family. Even if it's just you two, you've got to gather the troops and you say, we're going to pray. We're going to set the tone. We're going to put Jesus right in the center of this thing. That's what has to happen. That, that's what has, that's the carrying of, of the moment to, to treat your wives with the respect, right? She's not just this weaker vessel she is, but when you look down at that ring that I talked about, it's hardier. Man, when you look down at that thing, you go, man, it's not just mean I'm off the market. That is one of the things, right? But if you will look at that and say, okay, I see that ring. My ring is uh, stronger, so I need to be stronger, and I need to treat her as if her ring and her heart is smaller than mine. Don't use your harsh words. Guys, your, your words cut deep sometimes. Ladies, your words cut deep too, by the way. You know, I'm not just saying guys need to watch your mouth. You, ladies, you need to watch your mouth too. So you want to move on here. That's enough of that. Caution to this, this overcoming injustice, which has kind of been one of the themes here that we've been on. And he really moves into that from, from verse 8 all the way through the rest of the chapter. He's talking about for suffering for righteousness sake. Verse 8 says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, which I was just talking about in the household, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, and of a humble mind. Now, if you go down the list and say, does that look like you? Does that sound like you? Remember, we, we looked at last chapter, we started to put away envy and malice and slander and these types of things. Put those things away. Well, here's what you should look like, right? Have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, and a humble mind. So unity is something we're fighting for. The enemy is fighting against that. He wants us disunified. We are fighting for unity. So as I told you a couple weeks ago, everybody gets offended for something. I'm offended. You did this. You didn't shake my hand. You said this. I didn't like this. They did this. Offended. The truth is nobody cares if you're offended. Right? So I literally got emails about that. And I was like biting my fingers not to go, nobody cares. <laughs> you know? It just really hurt my feelings when you said that nobody cares. I'm like, oh, God. Jesus, help me, Holy Spirit. But I didn't. Have you any of my sympathy? Do you have sympathy? Like we get hard-hearted at times. It's like we get really tough. Brotherly love, real brotherly and sisterly love, a tender heart. Oh, I actually want to see this. How many, how many, we got any tender-hearted people in the place? Oh, a few of you, a few of you. All right, well, that's good. First service, there were like two people, right here. All the tender hearts come to the later services, I guess. Uh, and a humble mind. I would ask you to raise your hand, but then I would ask you to have to put it down. If you, how many of you are humble? I'm humble. I'm super humble. <laughs> you know, and it's like they give me a award for my humility, but then they took it away for accepting it. It's like you can't. It, it doesn't work that way. But you really have a, a humble mind, like humbles. I don't. I don't have anything. Like. 
the, the very best of me by myself is garbage. But the best of me with Jesus is everything. And so I have no, I have no boast. And like, look at me, look at me, here, there. Uh, it's, it's just God. That's, it's literally it. It's just grace. I just have grace in my life, and he's so good to me, right? So we, he introduces this section by giving us this summary of these, these things that should be on display in our life. Now, he goes on to say in verse 9, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain blessing. Now he goes on and he begins to quote from some of the Psalms. In verse 10 he says, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I like this because he's saying, hey, I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about it. So if somebody does something to you, we already know. If they slap you on one cheek, you have to turn the other cheek, right? Which we don't want to do. Nobody wants to do that. This is why it says it in Scripture, because he knew we would struggle with it. It's like, hey, if somebody lies about you, bless them. If somebody curses you out, bless them. This is so hard. If, if your enemy is coming at you, feed them, clothe them, give them the shirt off your back. This is like counterintuitive to the way society thinks. It's, just, it's literally backwards from what society says. If you punch me, I'll punch you. Some of you have told your kids, somebody hit you at school, man, you beat them down. Then bless them afterwards. No, no, don't, don't, no, don't do that. Like, I don't, I don't know how to, I'm not pretending to navigate all of that stuff. This is, these are real life issues. Nobody wants their kid bullied at school. I get that. But we're not talking about your kids right now. We're talking about you. We're talking about you, and if you can learn to, like I said, take the shoulders, the spiritual shoulders that God has given you, and actually absorb the hit, absorb it, right, and then bless. Something happens in that. Something really happens in that as you're able to do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your shots. You, you throwing haymakers at me. You throwing all kinds of stuff at me. I'm just gonna absorb it, right? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna absorb it, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna let God do His thing because He hates the evil. He hates these things. Peace is something that the whole world is after, but they just go in weird places and they seek peace in strange ways. And blessing is something everybody wants. One of the main characters in all of China that you walk around and people put it in, in red banners all over their businesses and over their houses is Fu. It means blessing. Fu Dala means I am blessed, right? And so we look at this thing and it's like everybody wants it. People who don't even believe in God want a blessing. Everybody wants to be blessed, but will you do the things that deserve a blessing? Because his ears, he watches over the righteous as his ears are attentive to their prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? He veileth much. He changes things. God hears. You want, to, you want him to hear your prayer? Do what you're supposed to do. Be holy. Do righteous things. And God is listening. He hasn't packed up. He's not on vacation. You don't get a voicemail and say, hey, I'll be back. In a week. No, he's, he's listening. And he's listening to those who, who are dialed into what he is saying. You ever try to talk to somebody and they're not listening and you just stop talking? They're looking at their phone. They're like, kind of listen. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm like, I'll just wait till you're done. Because I'm not repeating myself. I don't have time for all of that. If you want to talk to me, I'm right here. If not, then so be it. God is speaking. And, and I wonder if we're listening or do we have a spiritual cell phone that we're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. 
he's spoken very clearly. And, and I want to have a I want to have a clear conscience when this is done. And I think Simon Peter begins to talk about this in verse 13 as, as the persecution might come your way. He says, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? I asked you uh, maybe last week or the week before, I said if, if life point just failed to exist, I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about the church, what would they miss about us? Was it like, oh man, man, they just had cool lights? Is that it? Oh, they had a great Sunday service? Is that it? I want to like I want to be known for making disciples. That was the mandate that we're called to. Like I I went there, they loved me. Jesus changed my life. I heard the preaching of the word. I went out and began to minister, and I saw people meet Jesus. See, disciples make disciples. This is how it goes on throughout the world. And and see this. I I, I pray that if if God ever doesn't want us here, that the, the community list cries out and says, No, you have to be here. You have to be here. You can't go anywhere. You can't. What do we do? And we know that it's about God, but I pray that we are doing good like that, that we are being holy like that, that we are doing the righteous things of God like that. And if you're going to do those things that you're called to do, right, then it will actually disarm. Nobody will be able to come against you. They're going to come against us, by the way, for the things that we preach. We preach the word of God. We stand on the word of God. It says some challenging things that are, that are opposite of what our world is teaching, right? We stand on the word of God. We're never going to depart from that. So they're going to come at us at some time. But if we are doing what we're supposed to do, where's their, where's their ground to stand on? Literally, where is it? It's like we're really mad at LifePoint because they feed the homeless take care of they love people with reckless abandon that they follow the precepts of God there will be nothing to stand on for them if we're zealous for what is good let me just read for a few verses but if you should suffer for righteousness sake you will be blessed have no fear of them nor be troubled but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you what a great verse Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make this defense. Then he was in, yet do it with gentleness and respect, right? Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior may be put to shame again, right? For it is better to suffer doing good if that should be God's will, then for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins. This is a powerful verse right here. Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous and the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. I read this this week several places. Several theologians said that might be literally the shortest and simplest presentation of the gospel in one verse for Christ also suffered once for sins in the old testament it was the day of atonement you had to keep bringing the sacrifice every year take care of this Jesus once and for all covered it is finished right he took care of it so once for sins the righteous for the righteous and the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but being made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Stand with me real quick. Hang on tight. I'm going to finish this. 
that part that it is finished? Most everybody doesn't believe that. They kind of believe that sometimes, but it's finished. First John 2, 2 says, he is the propitiation for our sins. He is the satisfaction. He has taken care of it. It is okay. It is covered. It is done. It is finished, as I said, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Wild. Just to think about this, this summary of the redemptive work of Jesus on Calvary. That he bangs, he got you. Not only you, but you and you and them and them and those who are killing people in the Middle East right now in the name of a different God. He, he, he's got their stuff and he wants to touch their lives too if they will let him do it. Verse 19, in which he went and proclaimed in the prison. See, this is a challenging verse for us because when we, when we think about this and while Noah was building the ark and there's years and years and years that people had an opportunity to get their lives right, and they didn't. And I don't know where this lands exactly. There's a bit of an area that people like to argue about. If Jesus went down to hell to save these people, give them a second chance, or maybe he's just talking to us today to say, hey, quit wasting time. Stop wasting time. Like, there's a rain coming. There, there's, he's never going to flood the earth again, but there is a judgment coming. And if, as I said earlier, if you are, if you are not reading your Bible then you are not unaware as this thing unfolds before your, your face. I just sat there today and just cried this morning like, man, Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus is coming. Me and my wife were talking about yesterday. He's coming back soon. And people are just playing. They're like playing church and playing this and playing that. And he's coming back soon. He's coming back. I believe that in everything inside of me. And so there's something that has to challenge us. Now he goes on in 21. He says, baptism, which corresponds to this now saves you, not as a removal of the dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone to heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers that have been subjected to him. How many of you know Jesus? Let me see your hand. How many of you have been baptized? If you know Jesus, if you have committed to follow him, if you are a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, you need to be baptized. We've got baptism coming up. You're like, oh, I'm not sure I'm ready. Well, get ready. Make me feel like, like I love Jesus, but I also like to smoke dope. Quit smoking dope. Jesus is better. He's just better. It's just the way it is. We're just call, you know? It's not that complicated. It's just really not that complicated. Follow him. Do things that we're talking about, this change of behaviors, but the baptism doesn't do the work. The baptism just lets everybody know that the work is done. It's something so beautiful, right? Or it's like... God did this incredible work in me, and now I get to tell everybody, I want you to know, and I want you to know, and I'm going to invite all my friends, I'm going to invite my family, and they don't even know Jesus, but they're about to come and see what has happened in my life, and everything is changing because of God's goodness and his mercy, and it's beautiful, and that is what Jesus has done. That's what Jesus is doing, and that's what Jesus is going to do for those who have given their lives to him. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, we're thankful for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, this is a tremendous group of people here. None of us are perfect, no, not one. We've all met a, made a mess of things at times, but you have touched our hearts, God. And I'm so thankful for your love. Holy Spirit, I am so thankful for your conviction. I'm not afraid of it, I'm thankful for it 
you're challenging me. I want my heart right. I want our hearts right. When the heart is right, the right behavior will come. We believe in our heart today. We confess with our mouth right here in front of everybody that you are our Lord and you are our Savior. And we're going to carry that same kind of stick to and grit and determination and unction out into the world. And we tell the world the same thing. Look what the Lord has done in me. He has changed me. He has raised me. He has saved me for his purpose. We love you. We thank you for everything that you have done. We thank you that all the authorities are subject to you on earth and in heaven, that you are in control, that you are sovereign, that you are good, that you have a plan for our lives, plans to prosper us. You've got a future. You've got a hope in front of us. But we are to seek you with all of our heart. And so we are doing that today. Help us to do that, to seek you with all of our heart. And you said if we will do that, we will find you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us, for changing us, making us more like you. Have your way in our lives. And we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Can we put our hands together for the word, church? Tell you a couple things real quick. Hang on tight. Um, Amazing stuff. Listen, be kind to each other, as I said earlier. It's crowded. I know it's crowded. They're coming in for third service. Thank you for your patience. If some of you could switch to nine, it would help. If not, no worries. Uh, But you'll get to that football game a little earlier, maybe, if you do. I love you guys so much. Thank you for being part of us. We always pray our benediction here. Let's pray it together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Love you guys.